The Boogie Monster with Kyle Kinane and Dave Stone. Cloaked in secrecy, they show up without warning. State their business, then vanish as quickly as they appear. Are you ready for the sex girls? Not that I believe in it, but mm-hmm. I can see that. But I, these guys are dumb freaking nerds. The Boogie Monster. Podcasting the Unknown. Yeah. Well, I blew it out, right? I went too loud and you yawned. Oh, man. It's going to be a great episode. I'm groggy. <laughs> You're groggy. Ugh. I got a pastrami hangover. We both, that's what we did. Dude, that's so good. Old Langer's Deli. Man. Comic of the week, Langer's Deli. <laughs> Old school, amongst all the riffraff over uh, by... Uh, a lot of riffraff over there. Over by... Uh, MacArthur Park. MacArthur Park. That's right. It's depressing. How much riffraff? Not nothing against riffraff, but I, <clears throat> I, well, there's good riffraff, and then there's the downtrodden. That's true. LA's got a lot of crazies on the streets. Yeah, tell me about it. Uh, yeah, not that you're no stranger <laughs> to it. But no, that whole area, man, just uh, like it does feel LA as shit. Like, oh man, we're in Los Angeles. Yeah, it's the it's the. Mexican flea markets, mm-hmm. but then MacArthur Park, if people don't know, is like the old, it's like an old uh, mafioso dumping ground for the lake, and now it's just transients and mm-hmm. drugs and a lot of stuff. A lot of tents. A lot of tents. Yeah, one place I have not noticed any gentrification. Yeah. One place that has successfully fought off anybody trying to move in. Well, that's where I'm. Oh, shit. You okay? Yeah, I got that strami. Work it out. I got that strami coming up. Um, well, that's where they used to have the Yellowhammered show was in MacArthur mm-hmm. Park. Yeah, over at uh, the boys' house. Those good time fellas yeah. from Alabama used to run a show in their parking garage. Yeah. And it was one of those, like, I've done these. And then you get there, you're like, neighbors are going to shoot at you around here. We had to stop for fireworks. It wasn't a holiday, but had to stop for fireworks. Yeah, it happens. I tell you, though, I like that Langer's Deli because all the employees are old. Yeah. I like seeing old employees in the food service industry. Not like – sometimes it's depressing, like when you see a really old lady having a – Not like, yeah, table. you have to. But like, I don't know. You could tell like that whole staff have been there 20, 30 years. Yeah, the one woman thought I was there yesterday. Yeah. Maybe she was a little too old. <laughs> Maybe she got a little – Were you here yesterday? I recognized your shirt. Okay. Sweet lady. Good what? sandwiches over there, though, man. I'll tell you what. I don't need enough deli. Really? What do you eat enough of, Dave? Set myself up for that. <laughs> that was a real underhanded pitch to I, me. Uh, yeah. And I'm moving slow, too. I could have I could have swung bigger on it. but <laughs> No, I mean, I obviously get plenty to eat, but I don't eat enough deli. Well, maybe just because there's not a lot of them here. They don't eat. Uh, there's there's the, the the Jewish delis. Mm-hmm. You got your canners and your langers and uh, whatever it is next to uh, Laugh Factory over there. Yeah, which is just here's a lot of meat. Like it's oh it's this is okay. Yeah, but, but there's a lot of it. Well, yeah, like uh, every time I go to New York, I wind up going to Carnegie Deli. Yeah, it's like okay, who's the joke on? Like this is two and a half pounds of. Roast beef on the sandwich. I know. I went to uh, what's the what's the famous one where what's her name had the orgasm? Cats. Yeah, yeah. You know where cats had all those orgasms. Uh-huh. 
yeah, and it was just like, all right, I'll do the whole thing, and this is where it's at. And you're just like, it's just uh, it's a lot of food. Yeah. It's a big, big old pile of meat. Well, and you can't even, you know, it's the sandwiches are so tall, you can't even fit it in your mouth. You can yeah. take half the meat out and just stick it off to the side. Yeah, go stick it. Mm-hmm. Go stick that meat. You know what I like? An Italian deli. Not a lot of those out here either. Mm-hmm. Give me a good gabagol. Some gabagol. Some gabagol. Vinegar peppers. Yeah, all you got to do is say it enthusiastically and mm-hmm. add more vowels than it needs. Mm-hmm. Give me a nice bologna. That's bologna. You know that famous Italian meat, bologna. I fucking love bologna. I love bologna, too. I straight up love a cold slice of bologna mm. right out of the pack, right off the top of the deck. Still got that sheen on it. Yeah. Give me a give me a nice deck of bologna. You ever had a fried bologna sandwich? Bologna. I have had the fried ones. Oh, that's good stuff. I like a fried bologna sandwich. Fried, fried loans. Give me some fried loney. That was probably... The thing I ate most as a child, I just when I think of like eating during my childhood, uh, just bologna and cheese sandwich. Just had a, had a heart attack when you were eleven. Just a bologna. I mean, I must have ate <laughs> five thousand. Is that wait, is that part of your joke about the kid that eats the tomato sandwiches that he had a heart attack when he was young? No, but that's it's, see, that's that like a there. funny bit. If anybody came to the Lyric Hyperion shows. <laughs> Dave crushed it. Thank you so much for coming out, watching me get ready for a Netflix taping that I kind of fucked up last night. Oh. <laughs> you want to talk about that? Nah, I did it. I'm getting. I'm getting over it. I'm getting. I'm getting. I'm getting out of my head about it. Fouls in my head all last night. I was like, you know those moments like you're about to fall asleep, and then there's another thought. It's like, why don't we think about this for three hours? You're like, God damn it! So I'm exhausted. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I can trust your word, though. Anytime you've had like a big taping or something, I always check in with you and see how, hey, how'd it go? And never have you went, went great. It's always I know when it's... And then then I watch it, and of course it's awesome. Well, you don't want to be, thank you, but you don't want to be a cocky jerk about it. But But there's also like, okay, that went pretty good, but let's see how it looks. And there's also like... Now, man, I know how those jokes are supposed to go, and they didn't go the way they were supposed to go. Some of them did, hmm. but well, whatever. We'll see it in a few months. We'll see. They'll they'll sprinkle their showbiz magic on it, <laughs> punch it up. You couldn't do any cool promos or anything for Fuck. it. <laughs> God damn it! Yeah, get here seven hours early. And answer some wacky questions. God forbid you're distracted when you're trying to get your brains together. But I, you know what? I, I don't want to sound like a baby. People, people don't understand like how fragile a good stand-up set mm-hmm. really is. Yeah, you know, and it's how like, either way. Yeah, and how like how like small details like. I'm not like just a machine. Like now, let's go up there. Let's rile them up with crowd work and all. It's like. No, I'm uh, pretty. I'm a, I'm a I'm a delicate little guy, and like the second show last night, like all right, it's hot in there. I'm already sweating before I go on. I know people have been sitting there for two hours, and there's three people that are taped. The first two people taped, and then they break. They're only breaking for like a couple minutes between. So I see all these people get up trying to go to the bathroom, and then I see people are like, "No, sit down." Like they didn't let anybody go to the bathroom, and I'm ready to go up. Like. Now I can all I think about is like, man, I would fucking hate to watch my act. Just know like, well, I got to piss, so I'm not laughing at anything. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking about that ahead of time. Like, oh, yeah, just go. Like, let people go to the bathroom. And every time I've done the hour specials, 
that I've had, I've like gone up before the show starts. Like, please get up. Go. Don't worry about the cameras. If you're not comfortable watching a show, mm-hmm. you're not going to be a good audience. And if you're not a good audience, I'm not going to do a great job. Mm-hmm. It's all has to play together. So as soon as I saw them tell like three or four different tables, like sit down, you can't go to the bathroom. And then people just sitting there like, well, what the fuck? I'm like, well, now I just feel bad for them. Yeah. Now I'm not even like into doing jokes because I'm like, I just feel bad for the audience that is now basically it's a hostage situation. Mm. So, oh, no, laugh at my wackiness while well, you're. Shitting yourself. Yeah, they didn't take that into account. They didn't right, there's they just, just expect people to sit there for hours. There's so much gross sausage making of like, all right, now we're going to film you uh, walking off the stage four different times yeah. in front of an audience. And like, it's just so... I like. And again, all right, we had this conversation over our stromies. Like, I know what I'm complaining about. I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but it's like, just let me do the fucking thing. No, it's an interesting point of view, though. I mean, point, because- point the camera at the stage. I'll tell the jokes. If the mm-hmm. jokes are funny, they're not going to be funnier because you take me nine different ways walking into the venue. Yeah. You know? No, like the, like the stuff that is the attention to detail for stuff that nobody gives a fuck about. Mm hmm. Like nobody's a you know what was funny on uh that special was the way they walked into the venue. <laughs> that was memorable. Yeah. Nobody gives a fuck about that except for the people making it mm-hmm. can go, look, we made something that looks cool. And then they'll show it and no nobody cares. Mm-hmm. Z- Does anybody have a favorite intro? Sometimes it's funny. You know, Pat Oswald with Boots Riley doing a quick thing before one of his specials. Mm-hmm. But that was fun because you let the comedian be in charge of that. Yeah. You could tell us Pat Oswalt's idea, mm-hmm. and that's why it was funny. But as soon as the producer's like, you know what's going to work? Not your idea. Not yours. Yeah. God forbid you just let comedians do their job. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's my piece. <laughs> That'll come out. Watch for the fucking punched up laugh tracks. Watch for the... <laughs> There's a friend... That made a tape for a festival. Emily DeRiza's, I think it was her. She made a a tape, like an audition tape for for a festival, but just cut in the audience from Midnight or uh, Showtime at the Apollo. (laughs) Like, so just her at like an open mic doing five minutes for an audition tape, but then it would cut away to like the entire black audience at the Apollo, like going crazy over an act. I know someone who made a similar tape, but it wasn't uh, the joke wasn't so obvious. They, right. they added canned laughter to their festival submission. Oh, they did it like to purposely on purpose. Like, look at these, look at this. I did well. Who, did you hear all those laughs? Who they were doctor laughs. Tell me, uh, not you. I'll, okay. I'll tell you. Shh, well, no, like whisper it. Cover. <laughs> type it. Type it on the computer. He text me in the com- in the computer. <laughs> <laughs> Write it on a post it. <laughs> that seems about right get the fuck out yeah well, hey and you know what it worked because you're gonna see him at all the major festivals five minute festival tape he he, he doctored the laughs oh jesus mm. christ there you go good job buddy this town makes you do nutty stuff same guy that wears his... Don't 
<laughs> You're going to give it away. You're going to give it away. Don't give it away. Not a bad individual. Uh, no, but no. Maybe, uh. maybe misguided in some uh, 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 some ways. <laughs> hey, uh, thanks for uh, sticking with us today. We're, we're tardy today. <laughs> thanks for sticking with us just in general. Just in general. But, yeah, we're tardy today because Kyle had to focus on his on his big Netflix I'm going to focus on gobbling my own cock last night. <laughs> oh god! Well, other than that, what's going on, buddy? You, you feeling good? Yeah. I guess, yeah, I'm all right, man. Yeah, I was just, I was bumming, but it's, you know, you do a thing, you get in your head about it. It's going to be great, dude. It's going to be great. No, don't, let's not, let's not really get excited. Hey. I mean, I saw the set. We did the, uh, yeah, thanks for everybody to come out to the Lear Cafe. Yeah, so those those the, were fun shows. Yeah, they were fun. You yeah. did great. Yeah, I was surprised. Last minute uh, promotion, people coming out, and then people, even some people were there. Still last night that watched the warm up show. So is that oh, that, cool. that that feels good, especially in a city like L.A. where people yeah. still come out. Yeah, when there's so many options. <clears throat> yeah, so it'll be all right. But other than that, I uh, hope everybody had a nice Halloween. Yeah, yeah. What'd you get into that night? Halloween night, I do. I taped a fun. I taped all fantasy everything with old Ian Carmel and okay. Dave Borey yeah, and, yeah. and and Sean. Sean Jordan, my pals. And then uh, this past weekend, I was at our, our friend Matt Bronger's wedding up oh, in Portland, yeah. Oregon. How'd that go? Oregon. Big old fun dance party. Yeah? Did you cut loose? Yeah, I did. You yeah. know, I have fun. You know, I got old Rachel there. She's uh-huh. no she's no stranger to cutting a rug. Yeah. So I got to, well, what am I going to do? Yeah. Let her just wander out there by herself? No. no, no. That, she's with me. Mm-hmm. Hands off. Yeah. Dudes. <laughs> babes with me. <laughs> Can't just be Sean Penn and Footloose. <laughs> Let old Horseface go trotting around out there by herself, and you get all you get in a fight. She might have come with you, but she's leaving with me. Mm-hmm. Punch. <laughs> I this is still to this day, and I okay, and she's not an unattractive woman, but Sarah Jessica Parker looks like D. Snyder from Twisted Sister. You said that in the. Uh, Did I say that the um, uh, spicy news? Oh, did, okay. Yeah. I, she looks like I think she looks like Dee Snyder personally. It's not. I mean, but she's not an untrained. It's her and the L.A. story. Mm-hmm. Like real va va voom, but mm-hmm. also Dee Snyder. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm attracted to Dee Snyder. I don't know. Sexuality's fluid. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you think that, Dave? Do you think like you'll be like, oh man, if the if you know if it was a looser, I don't know what I'm talking about. You ever bang a dude? Have I ever banged a dude? No, would you? Like, uh, if would you just I? live long enough, you're like, whatever. Yeah, hey, what do I care? I get bored. Like, come here, dude. Yeah. Be still. Come here. Be still. Yeah. I don't know if that's the way. No. I, so I, would, hope, I would hope you put a, you'd put a little more romance into it, Dave. Yeah, with the dude, though, that's the point. You don't have to, right? Just be like, Mike, that's, that's, hey, Mike, get over here. I'm not going to whine and dine a dude. That's true. That's gay. You wouldn't... <laughs> You would okay, not wine and dine, but like put a little extra attention in your uh, your Super Bowl Sunday snacks if you knew a special fellow was coming over. Nah. Not that you don't already pay enough attention to the snacks, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but you could really, I mean, you know, spice up the hot wings. That's not even a metaphor. You could mm-hmm. be like, I made real spicy hot wings. Mm-hmm. Don't lick my butthole after this. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Just a couple of greasy dudes gnawing on each other. <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs>
Just bloated God, chicken no. wing bellies. Yeah. Oh, God. Just, just hot sauce and buttholes. Oh, oh God. A lot of mistakes happening after a gay Super Bowl party. Oh, Lord. A lot of learning about, like, whoops. You know? Like, <laughs> what are we? Ta- what am I talking Jesus about? Jesus Christ. I'm out of the comedy. I ran out. Oh, man. Tank's empty, dude. Sorry. You wanna... Tank's empty. Oh, man. Speaking of uh, speaking of chicken wings, I got a rant about a Dairy Queen commercial. Speaking of chicken wings. You seen this new Dairy Queen commercial? It's this dude. It's like this 32-year-old young father. And he looks and he's sitting there. He's eating, eating lunch with his little four-year-old son. And they're at the Dairy Queen. And Dad looks in the camera and goes, When I was younger, I used to go to sports bars for my honey barbecue chicken. But now I'm doing the dad thing. And they're talking about uh, Dairy Queen's new honey barbecue chicken finger basket. Yeah. But when I was younger, I used to go to sports bars for honey barbecue chicken. First of all, Dairy Queen, I'm not saying there's no such thing as honey barbecue chicken, but it's such a broad, ambiguous term. It's not like I used to go to sports bars for my wings or I used to go to sports bars for pizza. Like, hey Kyle, what are you doing tomorrow night? You want to go? You want to go to Fat Wings and get some honey barbecue chicken? Uh, honey barbecue chicken? What? <laughs> That's not a thing that people go get. Like every other Friday, me and the me and the boys, we go get honey barbecue chicken. <clears throat> yeah, I don't even know if I've had that flavor. Yeah, it's not a thing. Like, and it just. And, but now I'm doing mm-hmm. the dad thing. Like again with the emotional, like fuck you and your dad. If you was a dad worth a shit, you'd make your son dinner instead of taking him to <laughs> nasty ass Dairy Queen. I, I think Dairy Queen, like if a Dairy Queen ad, is just basically everything short of them going, "We're still here." Like that's all it is. Yeah, I think that you're taking it personally. I just and, uh, who wrote that. I used no, to go no, to sports bars for honey barbecue. Chicken. Their ads have been shit for like the past few years. They've had somebody like. Who the five dollars? Like I don't. They've just picked like the most slappable individuals. Yeah. Of and it was I forget like some guy on his phone like I when I'm hungry I like to download chicken tenders I, like just, just bad ads. But guess what we're doing right now? We're talking about Dairy Queen. So they win, Dave. They win. They got you on our international platform. Of the Boogie Monster to talk about Dairy Queen. Honey barbecue chicken. Oh, man. I can't wait to go out tonight and get some honey barbecue chicken. Dave, you know what you need to do, dude? Guys. You know what you need to do? What? You need to grill and chill, Dave. <laughs> Good thing I'm sitting far away from you. I get slapped in the face oh, for that. God. Just so sick of all these. DQ grill and chill, baby. I love the, the reluctance that they have to turn over the blizzards mm-hmm. to show. Yeah. And I also wonder how, like, if somebody's just worked a double, and by the end of it, they're just like, here's your Diet Coke, and they just turn it over. Cause they're, just, <laughs> they're just wiped out. They just turn over everything. I would do, if that was my last day, like, here's your Blizzard, turn it over. Here's your burger, turn it over. Here's your, fr- I would just turn over all the food in front of somebody, be like, and go fuck yourself. Uh, the food's God not save good. the queen. The food's not good. They give you, you get the mm-hmm. chicken finger basket, give you a little, little side of gravy. There's nothing worse than bullshit gravy. Nobody's eating it. I mean, I, I love a blizzard. A blizzard's good. I like a blizzard, but that's about it. I know. And it's, you know what, it, you know, you give the kids the protein after the Little League game, and then you give them a sweet treat. 
It's true. I mean, I think there's bigger targets in the world, but I understand the ads being upsetting. Oh, it's so bad. Now I'm doing the dad thing. <laughs> anyway, I'm all right. <laughs> Fattening up your kids over at the DQ. <laughs> we used to have a Tasty Freeze, which I just saw a new one here somewhere. And I hadn't seen a Tasty Freeze in a while. Tasty Freeze was like, oof. Never been. Tasty Freeze was like Dairy Queen's backwoods cousin. I've never been to a Foster's Freeze either. They have those here. Yeah, I haven't been to a Foster's. Dairy Queen was just... I mean, that was my mom when she didn't be like, here, five bucks between my sister and I. We could still get like burgers and fries and a drink. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it was just... I mean, it was always just pregnant woman with black eyes like it was just <laughs> oh, it was like a, a rough go yeah over at the tasty freeze tasty free tasty freeze would make white castle look like you're stepping into a ruth's chris really yeah hmm. it's no longer there we had a dairy queen in my hometown and uh it was just one of those walk-up counters there was no dining room mm -hmm. and there was no no food it was just just the dessert menu and uh, my high school girlfriend worked there. And uh, when I was 15, I didn't have my license yet. One day I just I stole my brother's car, and I drove down about 10 miles to go see my girlfriend and get a free free blizzard. That's like a, a John Cougar Mellencamp song. Yeah. yeah. That, I'll say this. You want to talk about things that piss you off? They're like the John Cougar Mellencamp line of – all of them sucking on a chili dog outside the tasty freeze. Yes, sucking on. Ugh. That's like that's that's real gross. gross. That's yeah. John Mellon camping trip. Every, it's, it's it's the regional Springsteen. Have I gone into that theory? Yeah. About regional Springsteens. Mm -hmm. <laughs> About your your franchise. It's a he's, a he's the Indiana franchise of Bruce Springsteen. See, I always thought he was trying to be like a Steve Earle wannabe. I always thought he was trying to dip his toe into the into the alt country. I don't know something. I just he just reeked the poser to me. Did I tell? Did I do a story about somebody confronting him in a cafe in Indiana or something? No. He's in there. And he just thinks he's cool as shit, and he's still smoking. You know, cause he's a big chain smoker, and sometimes like, you can't smoke in here. He's getting pissed off, and I guess the owner of the place like came by is like. If you want to smoke, go the fuck outside. Springsteen's better than you. And just like just <laughs> shut him down. I don't know if that's like folk Indiana folklore, but that's funny. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Man, speaking of folklore, yeah. do we want to talk about stuff? I think we so. Just, we just watched The Underground. Underground? Yeah, The Underground. Story of... Phil Schneider. Yeah. Phil Schneider's an interesting... Well, was an interesting Not character. the singer of the B-52s. No, that's... Uh, that's uh, what's that? What's it? Fred Schneider. That's Fred Schneider. Okay. Oh, God, I love the B-52s. Just so cartoonishly gay. That would be like, funny if, he, if he also thought 
that underground bases were real, but also sang for the B-52. <laughs> Watch out for the bikini wang! <laughs> There's aliens under our city! Yeah! <laughs> Not a rock! A rock lobster! Oh, love the B-52s. Anyway, Phil <laughs> Schneider. I'm surprised it took me this long to uh, know about this dude. I, uh, I don't know how I stumbled upon him a couple of weeks ago. But, uh, I mean, where to begin with this guy? All right, he worked as a civilian contractor for the federal government for about 17 years. He worked for a bunch of different uh, engineering firms. He was an, uh, an engineer and a geologist. And uh, he had a – I still don't know if this is good. He, he, he brags about his level three security clearance. Military folks will know if that's, uh, if that's impressive or not. You got a bronze. I'm not sure. But um, I'll do the research. In that, uh, the movie we just watched, like you said, uh, The Underground, story of Phil Schneider, um, there's snippets of this speech he gave or this presentation he gave at the uh, Preparedness Expo 1995. I don't know where that was, but uh, I watched, I went and then watched that entire speech. It's about an hour and 10 minutes long, and he gets into all kinds of shit. And like within the first five minutes, Okay, he talks about um, how he he was a geologist and an engineer, and this company he was working for uh, they were responsible for helping uh, add on to this uh, underground military base in Dulce, New Mexico. Forty third parallel. Forty third or thirty seventh. Still, well, the important one. Okay. Thirty thirty seventh. I think you said thirty seventh earlier. <laughs> yeah, the one I read the book about. Parallels. It's not, uh, they're, they're next to each other. Anyway, yeah, this that's dude, on the that's on the parallel. Yeah. That's in the important one. So, back in 1979, he's a part of this team that uh, is is helping build an addition to the underground uh, base at Dulce Dulce Military Base in uh, somewhere or no, it's in Dulce, New Mexico. Yeah. Anyway, so they're drilling these gi- four giant holes. They they got all this equipment. It's Spanish they're, for Candy, New Mexico. They're, bore, they're boring down a couple miles into the ground, and then the uh, the equipment keeps stalling out. The equipment keeps mm-hmm. breaking. Got these big uh, boring machines, and uh, so he was uh, tasked. He was nominated to go down in this little service elevator down to the bottom to see what's going on. And these are his words. In this speech, he tells this story verbatim. This is how this whole documentary opens up. Yeah, yeah. And I'm paraphrasing. So he basically went down into this elevator to investigate when he saw three seven-foot-tall gray aliens. He's just standing there. He says uh, probably about ten feet away from him. Talked about how bad they smelled. Smelled uh, worse than the worst trash can imaginable. Those are his words. I mean, that's insane. And uh, just casually in this in this speech, he's like, uh, "Yeah, I didn't didn't have time to react or think too much, so I just pulled out my little Walter PPK and I shot and killed one of them or two of them. Two of shot them. He shot two of, two of them. Yeah, and a third one uh, shot back with some sort of blue laser. Like uh, he talks about how the third one." rubbed uh, its hand like in front of its mm. chest to kind of maybe activate some sort of laser. Some blue laser shot out of this alien's hand or chest or something. Uh, Blew f- two or three fingers off of Phil's left hand. He said, uh, cut him open like a fish. Got all kind of scars and wounds from this. 
But anyway, so he shot and killed two aliens. The third one shot at him. He's all jacked up now. He's missing some fingers. He's slumped over. A Green Beret guy just happened to be following him down in the elevator. Apparently this Green Beret dude... Uh, picked up Phil Schneider, helped him up, threw him in the uh, elevator, sent him up to the top floor, and uh, in the process, the Green Beret gets shot and killed by the aliens. But just he just tells but this like this, he's just this recounting is, a story from yeah, this. Vacation. Yeah, this is how it opens. Yeah, and but then the rest of the, they don't talk. But then it's just like underground bases are real. What about the aliens that he shot? Yeah. Where are the bodies from the aliens? Yeah. What they do with that tunnel? What like? What what happened to him medically? That they didn't they analyze what happened to him? Yeah, wouldn't there be a medical record if you had to got if you got your fingers blown off and had to go? I guess maybe you go to a military hospital and cover up stuff like that if you want. But none of these questions are asked nor answered. Obviously, yeah, <clears throat> it's just like and anyway, underground bases. Yeah, they do gloss over the whole. There's aliens living underground. Yeah, aliens that are malicious. Mm-hmm. That are stopping, and this was that, but the, and they do cover that in Dulce, New Mexico. That uh, the what was the Native American population there? I forgot. That. Uh, yeah. I think it was Apache population, mm-hmm. but if I'm wrong, that sounds bad. Yeah, I do think it is the Apaches. And they were saying there's all kinds of weird stuff going on there, steam mm-hmm. coming out of the ground, yeah, and seeing things. Um, and uh, and they're saying like these things are going like. 10 miles deep, 12 mm-hmm. miles deep. Yeah. These tunnels. Just underground. He believed, uh, Phil Schneider mentioned in his speech, that he believed the gray aliens had been living and working in that area, down in that base, for four to 500 years. Now, I don't know how the hell you're supposed to calculate that or speculate You know how long they had been there. There's another theory floating around, kind of connected to this, that, um, well, the theory being that, yes, there's a whole race and species of aliens living on earth underground but uh beyond that theory the theory is they've been here before mankind they've been here for millions of years occupying space under underground on earth that's crazy to think about i mean i don't i i from this i don't doubt the existence of these tunnels and underground bases and the fact that they're probably using them for you know Weapons storage and uh, the technology isn't there to populate outer space. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure anybody with scientific foresight could see that the atmosphere of the Earth is going to become inhabitable. Mm-hmm. Or societally, it's going to become inhabitable. It's mm-hmm. going to be dangerous. It's not. So I could see them early on, like, let's start digging. Mm-hmm. Let's start. We've got to put it all underground. We got to start now. These are big. I mean, and this, you know, the other things you talk about, like these weird explosions, you know, sounds that people are hearing these big booms. Something else just came up about that the other day. I was reading. I forget where they were hearing like the big, the big explosions. Yeah, again. I heard about that too. You know, and that could be the result of all this underground construction. Mm-hmm. I think that's just people planning for. An apocalyptic future. That's that's where I go in my head. I don't know if a, I don't know about aliens down there. Well, Schneider says that uh, he used to work at an area called Grim Lake, which housed nine different domes deep underground military bases, including Area Fifty One, S Four, S Two, a few others. He says uh, this this entire area, Grim Lake, 
employed 18,000 government and civilian workers. So 18,000 people working in these nine deep underground military bases. He went on to say that uh, he thinks or knows, or knew rather, uh, that there are 131 active dumbs in the U.S. and 1,477 worldwide. 1,400 mm. underground military bases worldwide. That seems like a lot. I mean, if you if you're trying to hide something, and as soon as the advent of any kind of satellite technology came around, where they could just okay, well now we could just spy on you from space. Where's the first place you're going to go? That's true. It's the first thing you're going to do. It's like, well, we're not can't hide our shit up there. That's that just seems like well, obviously we went underground. Mm-hmm. So I could see everybody having something like fourteen hundred to one extent that like. You know, in the states, it's miles of underground tunnels that can be inhabited for ten years with food. Versus some country that, like, uh, yeah, we found a cave and we got a few cans of ravioli in there in case something happens. Like, I mean, that could they could add that to fluff the numbers. Yeah, but I, I one hundred thirty one in America, and we touched on this before. We've talked mm-hmm. about these dumps. I think when we were talking about the, it might be connected. Or, yeah. yeah, I mean, he says they are connected. And he says uh, not only are they connected, they're connected by an incredibly high-speed train. I think he said it, it travels at like Mach 2 or something. They're like there's this train, this rail well, that's, yeah. that can just zip around. Like, like that's, that's the thing, too, is it a sonic boom that these people are – that you're hearing. Mm-hmm. But just – and I mentioned this before in that episode, but like the concept of like just – Take our interstate system in America mm. and how elaborate and expansive it is. Imagine if there was the same thing going on underground. That many tunnels and you know, not not roadways at that point, but still trails and I mean well how how means of travel. Let's see how old the subways going from Manhattan to Brooklyn are. I don't know what, what line that is. But that's you know, that's a tunnel going under a waterway. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty impressive effort. Yeah. And they have those, you know, many, many places. I think I think you can go from England to France on a train. Am I incorrect about that? Under the English Channel? I'll look it up. I'll look it up. England to France. Train. Tunnel. There it is. It's in the thing. Euros. It's the sh- uh, shit. Yeah, that goes under the water. All right. Well, fuck it. Channel tunnel, sure. And uh, my, I just don't know how, like the level of secrecy that, because you got to think about how many employees, mm-hmm. how many workers to create stuff like this. Well, but that's that, you know that's what's happening now, though, with its disclosure movement. Is a lot of these, you know old government workers and ex-military folks who are on their deathbed, they're starting to talk about this stuff. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there's that uh, that other thing we watched. What was that one? Uh, the one about disclosure with uh, Stephen Greer. We talked about it a couple weeks ago. What was that movie? Which one? The, the sequel to Sirius that Stephen Greer did about disclosure. Oh, uh, 
I don't know. You're the expert. Unexposed. Expo- I don't <clears throat> Anyway, he's, he's talking about that. Like, so many of these old-timers are coming forward, you know, in their later years mm-hmm. being like, this is what I was a part of. Well, that, the Phil Schneider's, like, it, his dad was a, 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 apparently part of the Philadelphia experiments yeah. and how, like, all, all the, like... I don't know how he, like, apparently his dad was tied in with all this shit, and he just seemed like a guy that was a little bit nutty. Yeah, his dad was. said his hand got blown off by aliens. But his dad was, part, you know, was involved with Operation Paperclip, and one of the guys they brought over was, um, uh, like, a, a tunnel expert mm-hmm. from Germany. One of the Nazis was, you know, Hitler's the main guys for building underground bases. They brought him over for Operation Paperclip. I think they're down. I don't think there's aliens down there. No. Why would I mean if they if they can fly? What are they doing digging around in the dirt? What do they What do they need down there? Hmm. Maybe they're. And if they've been down there for how long? Five hundred years. He says four to five hundred years. Well, I mean, the, see now you get into all that ancient alien shit. Mm-hmm. Five hundred years they've been that keeping it a secret. I guess so. That well. Mm-hmm. Then what are they doing? I don't know. Fucking kicking it? I think so. Just down there, just rabble rousing. Mm-hmm. Somebody go go up on top. Go up on top and scare them. Beer run. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we got give them something to talk about. They're just they're hired by the by the government to be a distraction. We're trying to test a new war plan. You want to take out? Uh, you want to take out the the ship? Fly it around a little bit. Freak them out. Then we can go do the thing over on the other side. Run a little. Oh man, I'd love to go down there and see what they're up to. 37th parallel, like I've been saying all along, correctly. In this uh, speech, Schneider goes on to talk about, and this is a whole other topic that we've got to get to soon, because I've been hearing about this dude, and this is fascinating, but uh, Schneider talks about an alien who lived on Earth for several years and worked with the U.S. government, Mm -hmm. alien named Val Valiant Thor, apparently uh, did or has been working with our government since the late 30s. He's just a human-looking alien, and there's a picture of him. He shows a picture of him. And uh, shout out to the band Valiant Thor, by the way. Yeah, great band. <laughs> what, what are they? Is that metal? Yeah, they're just like a hard rocking yeah. bunch of dudes from the south. That's cool. Yeah, I've heard that name. That's one of those. <clears throat> Remember, he was gonna. I was playing in Athens, and he's like, "Yeah, I want to come out to the show." I met him. I'm like, goes by Valiant himself. I'm like, what should I put on the guest list? Like Valiant. Or Mr. Himself. He's like, nah, just put Herbie. I'm like, all right. <laughs> well, this other Valiant Thor, he had, uh, yeah, he was, he was a human. There's a picture of him. He just looks like a normal dude. Although, if you look at that picture in the documentary, um, his ears look weird. <laughs> Seriously. Like, he doesn't, his ear, he's got ears, but they're, they're, there's something, something off about him. But yeah, right, it's supposed this to be guy. a picture of a real alien. And uh, this, this, and we'll get into Valiant Thor in another episode. But just real quick, uh, what uh, Schneider was talking about, he said uh, Valiant Thor had an oversized heart. He had one large lung. He had copper oxide for blood, and a giant brain with an estimated IQ of over twelve hundred. And he speaks over a hundred languages. He had an oversized heart. Yeah, he was just a giver. Yeah, it just. Had too much love to give. This guy's real generous. He's from the fucking space. Estimated IQ of 1,200. 100 languages. Jesus. 
Man, that, that I mean, always makes me feel like a real fucking dumbass, the fact that I only speak one language. That's not, what not even, I don't even do that one very well. <laughs> I don't know. My, like, you know, I got... Speak a I, little Spanish. I took my... Yeah, I went Spanish through senior year of high school. It's not useful. No. I can recognize one word once in a while. Mm. I came across this other lady they think is from Venus. Really? What's her deal? I just was looking up Valiant Thor, and they've got this uh, wacky-looking lady. Not wacky. She's actually kind of hot in a weird, fucked-up way. She one of those Nordic blondes? Venusians. She's a Venusian. Huh. Let me get... She's kind of got a, she's got like a very broad face. Uh, Is it a photograph or a Yeah, drawing? yeah. Let me find out now, because I was looking up Valiant Thor. Dolores Barrios. Hmm. And for some reason, pictures of Tom Selleck are coming up with her. I don't... You know what? <laughs> Internet's such a waste of time. Schneider, Schneider talked a lot about the alien agenda, where he claims aliens will kill off five-sixths to seven-eighths of human population by the year 2029. Twelve years away. And kill off five-sixths, seven-eighths of us? Yeah, five-sixths to seven-eighths. Well, <laughs> Just, yeah, enough with the fractions. Well... If they're gonna like, I honest, uh, let's go with apocalypse theories. That you, like, I think we're gonna take out ourselves. Mm-hmm. And if the aliens are gonna do it, it's because they oh, there's some value to just keeping us as batteries or slaves or something. Mm-hmm. So that's why they'll just wipe us out, and or or maybe they're just gonna keep the cool ones. Hmm. What do we have to do to get in the aliens' good graces? I think I would like to think you and I both would be on that list. It's like, come on, man. We're down. We believed in you that, from, from the get-go. I know, but maybe that's not what they want. Maybe they're like, no, we don't want anybody. I'll talk to them. We're just gonna, all right, you go in there. You're the representative. Talk to some damn aliens. Honestly, I realize I would shit my pants. Like, I want to be into it, but if I saw something, i crumble. i crumble under pressure so quickly. I want to see Under it so fear. Bad. What's the scariest thing that ever happened to you, Dave? Like did you like well, not that but like you ever like sit like all of a sudden be like oh I can't do what I always thought I would do in this situation. I mean I got some stories I can't get into right now. Oh that's true. But uh, I fell backwards off a small cliff on a riding lawnmower one time and literally thought all right I'm like the whole thing of your life my life didn't flash in front of my eyes but everything slowed let's, down let's go back to yeah. the beginning of that yeah what you fell backwards mm-hmm. off a small cliff uh-huh. on a riding lawnmower yeah about a about a 12 foot drop off <clears throat> if you couldn't have a more georgian death than that <laughs> and she <laughs> and i thought i like when, That's when everything I was short of falling into the vat at a chili cook off this is the most southern death you could have <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> oh, my God. Dave fell into the smoker. Nobody noticed for six hours. <laughs> smelling delicious, and, but a little bit familiar. We, we may have ate some of them. <laughs> yeah, I, I fell. Uh, I, I, was, I like slid. I was, I was cutting uh, 
like a wet lawn. Okay. And like right near this little edge, just drop off. And mm-hmm. I've cut this yard several times before, so I was always very cautious. But it, it had rained recently, and my tires kind of spun. Yeah. And I kind of I did like a like a 180, and I started falling, and I just slid backwards off this 10, 12-foot cliff. No shit. And like while I was falling, it's like, this is how I die. I'm going to die. Well, especially with the mower. There's oh, yeah. Mower accidents were big. Yeah. And I fell off the mower, and the and I'm seeing while I'm falling, mm-hmm. the mower is falling on top of me. So I thought either I'm going to land and break my neck, or this mower is going to crush my skull. And uh, fortunately, it landed like missed me by like yeah. six inches, and uh, wasn't hurt. Was you know got some scrapes and bruises, but like uh, yeah, that was like oh shit, I'm dying. City kids never knew about mower accidents. Yeah. Oh man. About somebody always like, well, just let me get a look at it. Mm. I mean, well, it's running. Let me tip it over, get a look at it. You never I didn't mm. mow your lawns and stuff? No, I did, but city kids did. I, I did, oh, but okay. I could imagine like city kids yeah. never dealt with like yeah. having a rock or something shoot out. Oh, yeah. You know, I always had the bag on it. Mm. My dad was not a believer in the mulching process. Mm. No. Spite so. in the ass with that bag. You got to empty it every couple passes. Yeah, it was always... Dad, had, like that, that was like the one <clears throat> pride thing, you know, like was the pattern, the lawn pattern. Oh, yeah. He always did like a nice diagonal yeah, thing. Yeah, a little crisscross. Yeah, he's yeah. a big fan of that one. Yeah, I like I'd that go out too. there, I'm like, that one's, I'm just going to do this. I used to have job. a chain that I would drag a little, uh, I don't know how to describe it, like the not lengthwise, but widthwise, mm-hmm. this, this, like a, like a uh, doormat of chain. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That I would hook up and drag behind it, and that would press the oh, grass to, down. To pattern it? To pattern it. And you, when you go, you know, when you alternate directions, uh, then... And that it, would look, yeah. It looks, looks really good. I would get... like kind I, of an I, optical I, illusion. I got that. It was a suburban thing. So mm-hmm. like, ooh, sweet cut on that lawn. Mm-hmm. Good job. My dad would do a big diagonal thing. Yeah. Got to cut that grass tall, too. That's do that? Big, yeah. Big mistake. Oh. People want to cut the grass too short, you know, to get their... You know, that way they don't have to do it so often, but... Cut that grass tall. It looks better. Tall, well-cut grass looks so good. You had that Georgian southern grass. Mm-hmm. We had shitty, burnt, suburban bullshit. Yeah. Did y'all have Bermuda m- mow- I don't know. Just m- mowing, mowing burnt grass <laughs> in a drought. Oh, man. But, yeah, that's a, that's one of the ways I almost died. Um, but like, well, like where I'm like, oh man, I, oh, you know, in your head, you would imagine yourself like, I would do this, and then mm-hmm. if this happened, I would be like, and then in the reality of it, you're like, oh, oh no. Hmm. This, you know, what I read a very interesting thing about. Uh, it, was, it was last night. I couldn't sleep, you know, mm-hmm. after the whole rigmarole. And uh, so I was like, oh, I got all these tabs open on my phone, so let me read some of these articles. And one of them was about, about there was another like missing persons. It was about uh, national parks being a hotbed for missing people. Mm-hmm. But about talking about like when you get into the back country, that when you don't like when you see nothing that makes you feel safe anymore, like a, a feeling of being truly lost, where you can't rationalize the sound of an animal in context of anything, like being like all the way out in the middle of nowhere. Not that this has to go with the underground tunnel things, right? But but being truly lost in backcountry. Like I always think like, oh, I, I want to go camping. I want to backpack out there. No. But if I was backpacking and didn't even see like didn't see a trail anymore, I'd be a mess. I want to act like, oh, I got this. I'll I'll level headed, I'll rationalize, I'll stay put and figure it out when that like 
I would lose my mind. Isn't that part of the appeal of going camping and going way out deep? But yeah, but still, but this like the, the way they phrased it that you would uh, it was a it may have been a Vice article about like how national parks are becoming a hotbed of the supernatural, mm-hmm. and it was explaining why people freak out when they're out because yeah, once it, yeah, going out deep, but still being like this is a campsite. I mm-hmm. can tell this is a campsite. Okay. Somebody's been, but being in true backcountry. Maybe nobody's ever been out here, and what happens to you, your own, you know, psychologically, what happens to you, like, oh, I heard an animal noise. I mean, that's like when I've been by myself camping and all this, like, the the things that you start thinking, because there's no, this isn't, there's not other people at a campsite even. There's not like, oh, if I yell, somebody will help me. There's none of that. Like, no, you're alone now. Yeah, and that's like a that's a mental place that I don't think many people have ever gone to. Like that's one of the rewards of like I'm like oh yeah, and the nature is so great. Part of it's like waking up, going oh I did it. Yeah, I beat some like, I beat the fears of being by myself in the middle of nowhere because that like that scared the shit out of me. I, I won't lie, that was like laying there and going through the thought process of like where were you at? I went up. Uh, the the one time in particular was uh, Sequoia. I think uh-huh. I was up there, and I hiked up to a point where I hiked up into the snow and realized it was getting dark. It was like Thanksgiving weekend a few years back. And I was like, well, if I start walking back, it's going to get dark. So I'm not going to find the trail going back. But I was up at a point, I'm like, well, I've got to just set up camp here. So I just set up in the snow. And uh, and yeah, part of like oh well, I'm I'm tired, but it's it wasn't quite dark yet. I'm like I got to tire myself out, uh-huh. so I started walking around, and then like my foot went like slipped into the snow real far, and I almost twisted my ankle a little bit. And there was this fear of like, if that would have just even been a sprain, I'm fucked. <laughs> There's no footprints around here. I'm just out here dicking around, truly by myself. Yeah, and then just laying in the tent, like all right, well, what if a bear comes? That's a real thing. Uh-huh. What if Bigfoot's real? I don't know if it's uh, you know that that it's real, but that's a thing to think about and keep awake. And then also, why wouldn't if you wanted to murder people, like if you were a serial killer, why wouldn't you just go into the woods where people camp and do that? Yeah, there's no trace. Yeah, or is it because serial killers secretly want to get caught, and that's why they like? I mean. It's, hmm. You're also, I mean, you're a serial killer, but then you got to buy all the camping equipment. Yeah, it's a whole new hobby at that. You got to, yeah, you got to be an out. Maybe they're just, maybe that, maybe that would solve a lot of serial killers. Go kill a camper, and they get out there like, oh, it's beautiful. Uh, the urge to murder isn't so much because mm-hmm. I'm just looking at a placid uh, a stream. Mm-hmm. That's the catch twenty-two. Yeah, there you go. I just solved serial killers. Just need to get outside more. A little fresh air would do you well, you fucking psychos. Well, speaking of people missing. Schneider says he thinks there are 100,000 kids that are missing and unaccounted for that he thinks have been abducted by aliens. So it's, this is back in 95 when he's given this speech. But at the time he said 100,000 kids missing and unaccounted for. Now, I don't know if that's – I feel like that would be a bigger story. That's like just all the kids. Well, not all the kids, but it's a lot. Imagine um, they're going to say a hundred thousand kids like oh, it's aliens base. I mean that goes back into the uh, what was the 
Nebraska thing, that pedophile ring. They were mm-hmm. abducting him and abducting him. That's coming out now. Corey Feldman says he's going to spill the beans on a pedophile ring, which always sounded nutty because Corey Feldman, who's still dressing like Michael Jackson, even though he's 46. Yeah. But now with all the other allegations coming out, why wouldn't it if, okay, talking about these underground tunnels and how that's leading to an idea of new world order because the corporations and the government – Government still has to pay to build these tunnels. Mm-hmm. Giant corporations with machinery. Why not? They're, they're going to be international. Showbiz is a big fucking business. Why wouldn't they have? It's not. It's a metaphorical underground circuit of uh, kitty fucking that they could keep secret for a long time because they're just rich and it's an international major business. Hmm. Yeah, you want some kids? We get them. We got them in the underground tunnels. It's all big secret. It's all to get a new world order, pedophilia. It's all fucked. Hmm. Maybe that's why the aliens are going to kill most of us, because we're all scumbags. Hmm. Maybe they can view uh, in our souls which ones of us are pure, mm-hmm. and that's who gets to stick around. Hmm. So they ask for forgiveness at church on Sunday to the aliens, because mm-hmm. that's who God is. I came up with all this. Mm-hmm. I'm still. I'm very tired, Dave. No, I don't know what I'm talking at my ass. It's pretty did it, good. Did it make any sense? Yeah, it's pretty good, buddy. Is, are you just hmm. being facetious? No, no, I enjoyed it. All right, well. Yeah. But that's like these these machines. They were talking about all the companies that make these big underground drilling, mm-hmm. these boring machines. Mm-hmm. And like, I just. The idea that, okay, say you're an engineer that designs these machines and operates these machines. Uh Now, do you just sell it to the government and here's the instruction manual? (laughs) Or are you down there yourself? And now you have this top secret clearance. Now you're part of this web. Oh, hey, thanks for the machine. By the way, if you tell anybody about this tunnel, I'm going to kill you and your family. Mm -hmm. And so now you're caught up in it. Which goes, that's the military-industrial complex. Everything, you know, all working together. Your engineers, your scientists on one end. You know, military, the industry on one end, military-industrial military complex. Blah. Fuck, I don't know. Fucking, what the fuck am I talking about, Dave? You know what I'm talking about. I got you, buddy. But these big old, these big old machines, somebody's got to build them and make them. Yeah, man. Those machines are impressive. I'm, I'm looking at them. I'd like. They to all look one. like the same. I'd like design. to get a smaller version. I'd like to get one that I could. They, they that I could pull on the back of the van. They're called drills. Uh huh. But no, like a a small tunnel boring machine. You know, instead of having like a, some of those look like they have about a hundred foot radius. Have like a yeah. have like a seven foot radius. Use the little just, personal personal pan tunnel. Uh huh. Yeah, we just go out and. Build our own little tunnel system. Just you sitting up in Griffith Park, putting a little hole in the side of the hill when nobody's looking? That'd be awesome, man. Build me a little underground fort. Maybe that's... I think I'm going to do that. Maybe that's the new move, is personal tunnel drilling machines. You want to get the government start start sniffing around what you're up to. Yeah. Design one of those. Yeah. Get some land outside. I mean, that's... But again, all right, you you dig a tunnel. Now you got who's who's your who's your oxygen guy? Who's, oh, your, who's your air filtration guy? Yeah, who's your clean water guy? Just like building a house, you just get a bunch <laughs> of different crews. You have someone 
You Were you gonna okay? You're gonna talk to DWP about hooking your secret underground base. Well, well then you're back on the grid. Grid, just build a house. Nah, there's a way to do it off the grid. Well water, you can go well water. Get you a well. Yeah, you pump in. Uh, get you some some copper pipe. You know, pump in some oxygen. What are you doing with your with your sewage? Sewage, uh, probably what I do now. You, know, you just just make do. <laughs> Take a drive. Yeah, the world's your toilet. <laughs> Sitting out behind Pet Boys. Just have a big collection of piss jugs. No, it could be done, though. I've always wanted a, uh, uh underground bunker. Like I do. I want an apocalypse bunker. A doomsday bunker. But, like, not even... Not, not even practical. Just purely recreational. Just 80 feet under the ground. I've just got a little man cave... Man, what's well, like the what's his uh, the shit Christian? Uh, who was the the actor that was good in the eighties? Christian Slater. Yeah, Christian Slater's buddy in Gleaming the Cube lived in the bomb shelter out That's in the true. yard. Yeah, I guess they're still in the valley. There's still bomb shelters in the valley. I would imagine there is. I bet you there's all kind of bomb shelters we don't know about, especially on the West Coast, from you the know? Cold War era. Yeah, yeah we'll go, I would like to go tour, mm-hmm. tour some of those. Be pretty cool. All right, be pretty cool. Um, one last thing. Well, we can keep going on this. I'm I'm talking out my ass, and you're being very polite about me wandering into territory right. I know nothing about. No, that's a, well, that's what we do here. I know, but that even some of that, I was like, well, look at look at me figuring things out that every 17 year old pothead with a Reddit account already knows. <laughs> Uh, this probably needs to be a two-parter because we have yet even to talk about what happened to Phil Schneider. Yeah, oh, that's and true. I won't spoil it. I mean, you know, you can look it up and figure it out. But we'll save we'll save the rest of his story uh, for next week. I will say one last thing. He just not in the documentary, but in the full speech that I watched uh, towards the end of it, he's he talks about, and this kind of leads into what we're, we'll talk about next week. But how you know he's the only one. He's the only one uh, who experienced this uh, human-alien war. Did we mention that 66 people died? Did we mention that? Okay. No. Oh, yeah. I glossed over that. All right. So anyway, going back to he shot and killed these two aliens. This is 1979, and the Green Beret helped him get up, back up on the uh, elevator, sent him back up. Green Beret gets He killed. Who also died. Yeah, there's no name on this Green Beret? I don't, I don't know. But beyond that, he says a total of 66 – he says a, a, a firefight ensued, and 66 soldiers slash civilians were murdered, that killed that day in a battle with these underground aliens. And there's very little information on that, as you could imagine, online or anywhere else, because he says there's only three survivors. Uh, this was at the time. Phil Schneider said he was one of only three survivors – the other two were, uh, at the time, back in 95, in nursing homes and hospitals uh, up in Canada. And the Canadian government refuses to let anybody talk to these other two about this incident. But, yeah, he said 66 people, 66 soldiers were killed yeah, I, in, the, in a firefight with these aliens. What's the letter home to the family? I mean, or is this one of these super soldier that we, okay, is this we abducted kids that... Therefore, we've disassociated them from their families and then made super soldiers out of them just in case we got to fight underground aliens. True. Is that what's going on? Kind of like the Montauk Project. Yeah. Like, all right, that's what we, hey, we got to have, yeah, orphans and and 
homeless people and stuff like that. But yeah, so towards the end of the speech, Schneider talks about how he's the only one who's spoken out about this, and because of that, um, he's had so at the time had so many death threats, so many uh, attempts on his life. And he says in the speech, he goes, "Quote: I shot a federal agent, shot him dead 16 days ago." At the time of the speech in September '95, he says, "Yeah, I shot and killed a federal agent 16 days ago." Who I assume was trying to kill him, but because he was going, around, he was doing a tour. Yeah, I spent like the, a year or two, uh, ninety five, ninety six, uh, going around giving lectures and speeches about what we just talked about, and apparently, the government, somebody was not happy about it and tried to kill him several times. And spoiler alert for next week, they did kill him, and we'll talk about that. The that's the, like if I'm like oh people are trying to kill me maybe I just wouldn't put a tour schedule out there. Anyway, they're out to get me. You can catch me next Friday in the banquet room of a Holiday Inn and in, in Tulsa, Oklahoma at seven thirty. Mm. Sure hope this information doesn't fall in the wrong hands. Yeah. Well, I'm okay now. See now I'm back in because I think like all right the kidnapped kids and everything. I listen to. I try to listen to some because I was talking about that Tiffany Jenks uh-huh. case. It was a case of maybe mind control, and it all ties in if uh-huh. you believe in this shit. But I listened. Oh, it's like called the Oppenheimer Project. It was, a, it was some podcast about it, and the guy hmm. was a real fucking yutz. I was the host of that. <laughs> I was trying to play like like Robert Bigelow. Like, well, he he started. Uh, the budget ends, and that's just where prostitutes go, and prostitutes get information on you, and that's cover up. And now he owns Skinwalker Ranch. It was like somehow because he owned budget ends, and prostitutes go to budget ends. That was part of Robert Bigelow's higher scheme is to yeah. get information through the. Pro- I just didn't like this guy because he sounded like a putz. He was interviewing someone from Belgium. Who was like, I like your waffles. It was like a PI. It was, Ugh. it was, the, the, the guy sucked. It was a bad podcast, but I liked his like total conspiracy mind. Like, budget ends, cheap hotel. That's where prostitutes go. And so they probably get information on people. And then that information goes up the chain to, uh, Skinwalker Ranch in Bigelow Aerospace. Like, oh, man. Fucking, all right, man. I guess you just got to believe in everything at one point. Mm-hmm. Believe in all of it, believe in none of it. I hope the aliens kill off seven eighths of us <laughs> by twenty twenty nine. Only got a few years left. Oh god, only twelve more years. That's fine. So yeah, we'll get into it uh, next week, part two of this. Let you know what happened, to old Phil Schneider. Uh, I will say this real quick: if you watch not the documentary, but the entire, if you want to YouTube it, uh, just type in Phil Schneider. And there's several versions of this, but it's a speech he gives about an hour and ten minutes long, and towards the end of it. I'm paraphrasing, but he tries to quote. He even says he's talking about liberty and freedom, and you know we got to know the truth, and the government's hiding all this shit from us. And he goes, he says something to the nature of like, I'd like to quote a a, a terrific black man. Uh, it was it was uh, uh, Jesse Jackson who said that, uh, and then he starts. No, I'm sorry, it's Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King who said, and I forgot whatever the quote was. But it's just so awkward. And then towards the end, he takes a, a few questions from the audience. And he's real. Uh, this guy, the Schneider guy, I, I've watched so much of his stuff, and I can't put my finger on what his problem he, he is. He doesn't peg me as a conspiracy mastermind. No. And uh, 
there might be a little autism there. I don't know. I, I tell you what, Henry Zabrowski needs to do uh, uh, an impression, a character of this guy, because uh, I think he can nail it. Because they kind of look the same. He's, you know, blonde hair dude. But uh, towards the end, I don't know. He just he's one of those guys where like uh, maybe he's too smart for his own good. Like maybe he's too intelligent and he has no social skills. But just even yeah. you could tell when he was trying to interact with the audience, uh, he was just you know. He, just taking questions and one time he goes, yes, the black man in the back, what's your question? Just a couple of uh, cases like that where it's like, ugh. He operates and, on direct, <laughs> and direct information. And like one of those guys that, and I think he might have been Republican because based on some of the stuff he was talking about, he was talking about how he's not a fan of Janet Reno. He started talking about Janet Reno and Waco and how she is responsible for killing a bunch of kids. And he goes, and we, we, we just found out she's a confirmed lesbian. That's confirmed. Like, yeah. Okay. Granted, this was ninety five, but still, it wasn't nineteen forty five. So she's a confirmed lesbian. Like, okay. Yeah, so. like that says something about their character yeah, exactly. and their reliability. Like, dude, that's that's weird. Well, all right. I mean, is this just like an Alex Jones type on level three instead of level twelve? Like, I don't know. I don't know. But I mean. Like you said, I mean, I don't think he's just some complete Yahoo because he obviously, like, they verified his employment history. He was a part of these, you know, civilian contractors that worked on these bases. Like you said, his dad was really high up in some intelligence stuff. So I don't know. Or is this just what happens when you see unbelievable shit and you know no one's going to believe you and simultaneously the government's trying to kill you? Or or is it some sort of schizophrenia where you're highly intelligent with mathematics or like an autism thing, mathematics and engineering, you're highly intelligent with that and can learn other language, but also your fucking wires are crossed upstairs and you're a social – Weirdo that has uh, parallel realities existing in their own mind. Or is that mind controlled by the government? Ain't no telling. All right. Just ain't no telling. Well, yeah, we'll wrap. We'll get back into it next week. See what happens to old Phil. Um, This is coming out today. Yeah, it's coming out today. Fucking forgot. Um. I don't know. I guess I got a recipe here. What you got? Uh, before I do the recipe, I got. I found a. I'm trying to do. Oh, trying to get back on the keto diet. Trying to watch my carbs and sugar. So I found a delicious snack. It's not healthy. Was it that plate of fries you it's ate today? Healthy. It's not healthy. <laughs> I don't know but why I judge, <laughs> want to judge you on that. It's not. It's hey, cruel. Hey, we split a, a plate of fries. That's true. I, um, I had a few of them. Uh, Delicious keto snack. Now, this is not healthy. You shouldn't eat this all the time. But if you're trying to watch your carbs and you want like a real savory, like chip and dip type thing. Catch a neighbor's cat, take a bite out of its face. (laughs) Pork rinds have no carbs. I think we've talked about that before. Uh, Yeah. So take you some pork rinds. Get you a handful of pork rinds. And uh, (laughs) get you some sour cream. Get you, a, get you a little ramekin. Everybody needs a nice little ramekin at home. A little, little small bowl, a miniature bowl. Something you'd get a side of salad dressing in. You don't have that. Just rinse out an ashtray. Yeah, or that. Whatever you're putting in it is just as healthy. Scoop a couple of scoops of sour cream into that little ramekin. And then shake you a couple shakes of uh, whatever your favorite hot sauce is. 
stir that up. Not unlike the fry sauce I was making today. Is this your recipe? Mayonnaise. No, no. This is just a little. This is a freebie. It's a bonus. All right. <laughs> Sour cream mixed with hot sauce and dip pork rinds in it. They call, this, they call that one. I wonder what a defibrillator is going to feel like. No carbs, though. That's you know what? Eat some carbs. No carbs. Whatever carbs you're eating are better than what you just told me. Eat people some to. fried pork skins with some cream and some hot sauce. Hey dude. It's not Russian roulette if it's just a BB gun. <laughs> but yeah, man. Like it's it's not healthy. But no. if you're trying to watch your carbs and every now and you're watching a football game, you want some chips and dip action and you don't want to eat those chips, pork rinds dipped in sour cream that's been laced with hot sauce. There you go. Delicious. No carbs. This keto diet doesn't sound like it's good for you. <laughs> it's hard to stick to. <laughs> Recipe, real quick. Thanksgiving's coming up. I'm going to recycle uh, this month's Dave's Kitchen recipe for the patrons. Hopefully, you've seen episode three of Dave's Kitchen, where I teach you to make uh, You're homemade. Give them the same one. Homemade mashed potatoes and brown onion gravy. Well, you know, I figured for those who haven't yet. Uh, come on board the old Patreon train. We still don't. Uh, just I don't want to neglect. Just you don't. You don't have to give me four dollars a month to, to, for my love. All right for for a nice Thanksgiving yeah. recipe. Uh, real quick, brown onion gravy. Uh, and I talk about this in the video. Uh, if you're making gravy for Thanksgiving, of course you're going to want to use uh, the drippings from the turkey. Uh, but in the event that uh, you don't have access to that, brown you know, onion this gravy. is something you can make all the time. Saute up uh, an entire, dice up an entire yellow onion, dice it up real fine, saute that son of a gun in some butter or some olive oil for about five minutes, set it aside in another pan, or the same pan, what do I care, but get those onions out of there. (laughs) One stick of butter, (laughs) melt a stick of butter with a cup of flour, we're going to make a real basic roux, we've talked about roux before, Uh, just equal parts butter and flour, I mean you could use oil, but for this we're going to use butter. One stick of butter, one cup of flour, melt that butter, slowly add that flour in, whisk that sucker uh, on medium heat, and uh, you don't need it, uh, you don't need it like a dark chocolate roux, like you're making a gumbo or something, just a nice caramel color, light brown. Uh, So we're going to get that roux going for about five or ten minutes, then we're going to add that onion back in there, mix that shit up together. Take two tablespoons of, uh, there's this great product called Better Than Bouillon. It's like a beef stock or a beef bouillon. Better Than Bouillon. But it's, uh, it's called Better Than Bouillon. It's a bouillon paste. So take uh, two tablespoons of that and mix it with four cups of water. So four cups of water, two tablespoons of beef bouillon. Pour that shit in there with your roux and your onions and uh, whisk that up. Let that simmer for about 20 minutes. Add a little salt, little pepper, boom, there you go. Really simple, basic brown onion gravy. Onion, butter, flour, bouillon, salt and pepper. Simple as shit. Bouillon! Now, if you want to use the uh, drippings from your turkey, uh, kind of the same technique. You just deglaze that uh, pan, get all, the, get all the grease and the brown bits out of there, and uh, transfer that into another pan, and instead of uh, the butter... Uh, you would use uh, all that turkey grease and bits in place of your butter. So you would add flour to that and do everything else, like I said. So, boom, there you go. There's your recipe. There's your damn recipe. Bouillon. Uh, oh, I we don't ever talk about this, and I try not to, to do this, but um, every now and then, 
Give us uh, if you enjoy the podcast, get on iTunes, give us a rating and review. There, I don't want to beat you over the head with it, but nah. uh, that, that, that stuff helps us in some way. I don't quite understand, but yeah, give us a rating and review on iTunes. Uh, boogiemonster.com slash or patreon.com slash boogiemonster. Four bucks a month. Like I said, the uh, the new episode is up now of Dave's Kitchen. Uh, one of those every month, mm-hmm. and one Q and A bonus episode every Little month. Q and A coming on that. Uh, comic of the week, real quick. Uh, our good buddy. Based out of New York City, Kenny DeForest, very funny dude, great, great, great human being as well. Brand new album out called Bad Dreams. Even though bad is, uh, it's, it's got the, it's an acronym maybe. I don't know. It's B period A period D. I didn't explain that very well. Okay, but uh, I think it's just called Bad Dreams. That's a new uh, new record from Kenny DeForest. Kenny DeForest uh, from Chicago originally, I believe. Chicago, well, from Missouri, and then he started in Chicago. He's he's a Missouri guy. Yeah, uh, we'll take because he won't shut up about that. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, started in Chicago. And uh, what's that great show he runs there? That you've, uh, the knitting uh, factory. Yeah, 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 yeah. Comedy at the Knit. Him and uh, <clears throat> Will Miles and and Clark and mm-hmm. uh, that whole crew. They all. Uh, they run the uh, Knitting Factory show. That's every night. Sunday night. Right? Good show. Sunday nights in, and that's in Brooklyn. So yeah, Kenny the Forest uh, get his new album, Bad Dreams, available now wherever you buy comedy albums. Anything um, to plug there, buddy? Yeah, this is coming out today and this weekend. I'm going to be at Stand Up Live in Phoenix, and boy, these ticket sales suck. <laughs> it's a 560 seat room. We've Are you got serious? 58 sold for the Thursday show. Is 500 seats? Yeah, it's ridiculous. Good God! It's it's an unnecessarily large comedy club, wow. but uh, they're paying me a lot of money just to show up. So I don't give a fuck if you go or not. Whatever. <laughs> you go show up if you feel like it. Otherwise, I don't know what else is going on in Phoenix that's taking you away from a night of comedy. Uh, and then Sunday I'll be in Tucson, Arizona at 191 Tool. I like that Tucson. Oh yeah, down there. Yeah, I've never and, played uh, Tucson. It's a get cool, down there. cool little, cool little joint down there. Hmm. And uh, I'm gonna have uh, Chris there and Polly Casillas with me. I know Chris. Yeah, yeah. Chris. Chris live in Tucson now. Oh really? Polly's, Polly's. Yeah, he's back down in Tucson. Polly's out of Tucson. I like these guys a lot. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. And so, uh, got two fun dudes. Come see a show. Boy, are there tickets left. Friday Late Show, 33 tickets sold. How many shows are you doing? That is an unfortunate amount. How many I shows am you doing, doing five shows. So you 2,500 available tickets. If everybody who had a ticket right now came to one show, the venue would be a third full. <laughs> Again, that's Stand Up Live, a 560-seat stand-up comedy room in Phoenix, Arizona. Phoenix, Arizona. Ugh. <laughs> All right. That's... I don't know what to fucking tell you. Yeah. <laughs> I sold... I didn't really sold that one, huh? Yeah, things will pick up, buddy. You just, I don't you know. just hang got, in there. I got two days. <laughs> two days for these ticket sales to change up. Mm. <clears throat> Whatever. Get the check first. The Boogie Monster. Oh.